0: Hey, this is JT, former Bethel life from Brooklyn. Welcome to another episode of My Life at Bethel: the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So I remember uh, the week that I was leading up to when I was going to go to Bethel. The elders, the body of elders, called me into the back of the, of the Kingdom Hall in the second school. They said, "We going to talk to you." And so I'm sitting there. Saying, brother JT, you know, you're going to be representing the congregation, representing the circuit, and we're real proud of you, there, there you and everything. And I remember this one brother. <laughs> Bless his heart, bless his heart. He had never been to Bethel, never seen Bethel, but he was gonna tell me about Bethel. He says, uh, Brother JT, uh, you probably won't need to take your television and your stereo and sound equipment and speakers and stuff because you'll be engaged probably in a lot of deep study You won't have time for those things. So you might want to leave those homes before you take them to Bethel. And so I and so I didn't take no you know, I didn't take anything. I you know, no no radio, TV, none of that. Left it all home. So now we start with the first day. I remember so vividly that right before I got ready to leave, I had to figure out how I was gonna get to New York. So myself and the other young brother who was going to Bethel the same day, we was in the same circuit. So we decided the best way to get there and the fastest way was to fly. And we were flying with an airline called People's Express. Yes, $19 would fly you from Norfolk, Virginia, to Newark, New Jersey, on People's Express. You got a can of soda and a bag of peanuts. That's all they gave you. And that's how we got there. Bethel has a group of guys who typically work in trucking. So they drive the minivans out to all the different airports. They drive to the Port Authority to pick all the new Bethel lights coming up. So the society will provide the transportation for you to get from the airports, the bus stations, down to either Brooklyn or up to one of the farm locations. And I was heading to the Brooklyn location. So the brother makes his round, hits all three airports in New York City, as well as uh, going down to the Port Authority. So myself and the brother who came up from North Carolina with me, we got to Bethel. This is day one, and very interesting. So when you get to Bethel, you get there depending on what time you fly in. So I was it was in the afternoon. I remember so well. It was after lunch. So after got to Bethel, first thing to do is have you report to the Bethel office. And uh, so here we are in what's called the 124 Columbia Heights Building. So we're sitting in the lobby, and you can see all the new guys. Cause you can always tell the new guys, we got all the suitcases coming in. And uh, we're waiting for our assignments. And I remember the brother I met, first brother I ever met at Bethel. His name was Bob Raines. He was a Bethel heavy, African-American brother. I remember him so well. If you ever visited Brooklyn Bethel in the 124 Columbia Heights building, it's a very interesting building because when you walk into the lobby, It literally overlooks Lower Manhattan. It's a huge window, like 70, 80-inch window, glass pane window, and it looks directly over into Lower Manhattan. And so the first person I met was Bob Raines. He came down the steps and greeted all of us sitting down in the lobby. And so he came down, he's about six feet tall, big brother, walked over, welcome to Buffalo Brothers. At that point, we knew we had made it. We had made our career. We had reached the pinnacle of our careers as Jehovah's Witness. That's what we always talking about. <laughs> and um, everybody was just proud to be there. People coming in, greeting you. How you doing? How you doing, brother? How you doing? Where you from, brother? Where you from, brother? And uh, this was my personal introduction to Bethel. First day. So I was given my room assignment. So I went into my room and when you walk in, at this time, uh, the rooms were basically like single like dormitories. Uh, today they have kitchens and bathrooms. But at this time, these were dormitory styles. I was assigned to the 107 building. That's the building that many of you may remember had the nice pool out front. Very nice building. All single men for the most part. And so you had a roommate. So my roommate hadn't got there. He was he was coming in later on. Turned out he was coming in from Chicago. So when I arrived in my room, uh, there was an envelope laying on the bed. Inside the envelope was my congregation assignment along with the name of the Senior Bethelite that I was a touch base with because that's how I was going to be introduced to my new congregation and all the friends. So at this point, I contacted him and went by to see him and everything. And later on, went down to dinner. And it's kind of interesting in Bethel because you always can tell who's new. In fact, they have a nickname for you. They call you new boys, new boys. So my first night, my first day there, um, I'm down in Lord Diner where I'm assigned at. Um, I'm eating and... Everybody knows the new boys. You always can spot the new boys because they're lost. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they got the forks from, the plates. They're just lost. And people, a lot of, a lot of guys tease me. And, it's, 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 and the, people tease you about that. I mean, they tease you. You're going be a new boy. And uh, it's really an insult, but, but, it, but you, take, you, take, you take it with a grain of salt. And so that night, a couple of guys at, at my table, they says, uh, what you doing this evening, man? And I said, uh, nothing like I had something to do, right? And said, so, look, we have a little get-together with one of the guys' room, man. Well, you want to come over? I said, sure. No, no problem. So. He gave me the room number, and uh, sure enough, I guess around 8 o'clock, you know, I went over there, and I could hear him inside, you know, knocking the door and everything, and they opened the door, and I walked in, and as I, have, some of you maybe, as I mentioned before, before I came to Bethel, I was told don't bring no TV, no stereo system, none of that stuff, and I remember, I, I just remember so vividly walking into this brother's room. He was from California, and I looked up on the wall, and this brother had an entire. Stereo rack. And he had what was called it was really the it was really the top of the line back in the day. It was called the Akai, real to real. And I was like, I can't believe this. I mean, that Saturday morning I got up I called my mom. I said, mama, pack up my stereo, pack up my speakers, send all that stuff up here, because I can use that stuff. And brother's talking about I need to leave it back in North Carolina. So but the, but they meant well. They didn't, they had, they was totally clueless, but they meant well. And uh, that was when I was introduced to the Bethel lifestyle. And it is truly a lifestyle. Uh, I had never seen liquor flow so freely. There were people who actually worked in the kitchen. They had access to ice, and they would often use the tubs in the rooms. If your room had a tub in it, they would fill it with ice and put kegs of beer. Monday night football after the family watchtower study, it would be on. And so you were seeing a side of Buffalo that you didn't know anything about. you came up, you know, I came up thinking, you know, these guys spend all their time reading the Bible and research. And they're like, nothing, nothing like that. Now, of course, it was a full-time party all the time. We were very serious. And that was one of the things I kind of appreciated about some of the guys I met over the years. Uh, that's what helped me. There were guys who would take you under their wing. Uh, younger guys who'd been at Bethel five, six, seven years. And uh, I have a buddy good man i mean solid. in fact people used to think that we were brothers he was like five or six, he was like six years older than i was and people used to see us together y'all guys y'all brothers no nah, nah, nah. and uh, he he was really a good man and I, I often wonder where is he now i know he left bethel to try to get into the traveling work and him his wife and everything yeah and so he took me on his wing to school me about bethel things to do things not to do you know things to avoid You know, people to avoid and everything. Benefits that they had at Bethel that they wouldn't many times actually tell you about, as it were. Uh, Who to talk to to get things done. Uh, I mean, he just, he just, I was, I really appreciate how he helped me to be able to transition coming into Bethel. Um, One of the things I will often say, when you come to Bethel, there's a couple of things that will impact whether or not you enjoy Bethel or whether or not Bethel becomes literally a living hell for you. And it can become either one. A lot depends on the people that you are around. Uh, this is your social circle at Bethel. Uh, if you're with the wrong guys, it will be rough. But if you give with the right crowd, uh, life is totally different. The second thing that impacts people's experience of Bethel, and you have probably seen other people share their personal experience at Bethel. Some of them are negative, some are positive. But one of the things that impacts a person's personal experience is what congregation you're in. And why that is so important, especially going to Bethel, is because some congregations, they are very difficult for Bethelites to adjust to. Other congregations, they do everything they can to help you to adjust, and that makes all the difference in terms of what your experience will be. I was very fortunate. I was in a congregation that had a small number of Bethelites. We only had three. And as a result, the congregation rallied around the Bethelites. I have personal friends who they were in congregations that I just felt bad for because they would have 30, 40, 50 Bethelites. And you understand how that translates to in a congregation that translates into something like 30 to 40 ministerial servants. So 25 elders, that kind of stuff. And so when it comes to meeting parts uh, being used in the congregation, it's terrible, and I know guys who they, they hated. They just hated because they would go to the Kingdom Hall, and they might get a part every six, seven, eight months. Whereas in my congregation, boy, they wore us out. They wore us out. Um, so a lot depends on um, where you are, what congregation you are assigned to, um, and the type of people that you surround yourself with. I was, like I was very, very fortunate. I was around a group of guys who they helped me personally to navigate the waters. And what you begin to see very quickly after you at Bethel is you really begin to see the corporate side. I mean, you literally see the corporate side of this organization. You know, Jesus, Moses, and the Bible, all this stuff is fine. But you see the corporate side and you see that those who are in leadership roles, those are the people they gravitate to. Uh, it's, like, like, it's like anything else. You will rarely hear someone who is being used very extensively by the organization, circuit work, district work, or even at Bethel, you will rarely hear them mentioned in the context of their outstanding display of the Christian personality. Oh, no. Oh, no. You will hear them referred to as he's a good society man. He's a good society man. And basically what that means is this is a guy who does what the society says and he don't question it. And interestingly, that is how you actually move up in the organization. You know, loving your brother, being kind, and you know self control—the fruits of the spirit. Those things are fine, but now you're seeing the corporate side, and this is the part that the average Jehovah's Witness will never ever see, and so um, it can be somewhat shocking to you, because you will see men in position, and you'll ask yourself, "How in the world did he get that position?" It's one of the meanest brothers I know, and that's what you'll be saying, and you'll talk to other people, and they'll say, "Yeah, why?" Uh, that brother, hes I, I don't know how, what's wrong with that brother. And so, but he's well-respected and he is used extensively, not just at Bethel, but literally around the world. He will be flown to branch offices and things. And you're like, that's one of the most hateful brothers you ever, you sit at his table, he won't even speak to you. Yet he'll stand in front of a crowd of 30,000 people. Brothers, we need to show love. And you're like, same guy getting the keynote address at the silly last month. Uh, And so that's the kind of things that that it will literally cause you to step back and take a second look at things. But the key, the same is in the congregation. The same is in the congregation. There's always someone there to check you. You start seeing things, you start wondering about things, and the same in the congregation, somebody will redirect the conversation. They're not going to let you talk about the organizational negative light. Well, that's even more so at Bethel. And especially when I arrived at Bethel, because I arrived at Bethel not too long after Raymond Franz had been disfellowshipped. And so that was a conversation that nobody would talk to you about. You remember Raymond Franz? Well, don't talk about that, man. No, 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 don't worry about it, man. Let it go. Let it go. And that's because and that's, and, I, I remember asking a couple people and, and you and of course, you quickly fall in line. You, you, you fall in line. Um, if you were at Bethel, there's a couple places you don't want to be assigned and that's the farm. You do not want to be assigned to the farm. I had buddies who were assigned to Watchtower Farms and the other farms. And they actually put in requests to be transferred down to Brooklyn. And the reason why is because if you're assigned to the farm, and I've been up there to visit the Buddies of Mountain a couple of times, there is literally nothing to do. It is one of the most boring life that you can have as a Bethelite. Because at the end of the day, at the five o'clock, when you get off work up at the farm locations, there's nothing to do. And unless you have personal transportation, you can't go anywhere. So the farm is, is a place that you do not want to get assigned. I, I knew I, I had been told that JT, you better hope you'll get assigned to the farm. And fortunately, I didn't. I got assigned down to Brooklyn and Brooklyn is where everything was happening. You see, in Brooklyn, you had all of the governing bodies. In Brooklyn, you had all of those on the writing department, the service department, the teaching. We had Gilead. And so you were literally at the hub of this organization. Um, you could be sitting at the table and right across from you is the guy who does question for readers. And so that was kind of the, the disadvantage that the Bethelites had at the farm. Uh, the most important brother at the farm was the brother who ran the farm. And so it, it, their, their life was difficult. Like I said, I had buddies who they actually put in requests to personnel, can I be transferred down to Brooklyn? Because it was just so bad. And of course, in New York City, you have public transportation. You can go anywhere in the city. On, one, one token will get you anywhere in New York City, all five boroughs. So that allowed you to have more of a balanced life while you were at Bethel. Um, you had more things to do. Of course, you had more things you get in trouble with, but you had more things to do as well. Um, I enjoyed Bethel myself and the reason I enjoyed it because of the people that I was surrounded by, the activities I was involved in. And as a result, you can't see or focus anything negative about the organization. And so leaving Bethel, leaving the organization, unthinkable because you're right at the hub of everything. I remember they, uh, when you first get to Bethel, they have what's called new boy talks. And these are talks that are given to all new Bethelites. Typically, the governing body members give these talks, and very, very prominent brothers at Bethel give these talks. And they they range from from every subject matter you can think of. Um, I remember one of the governing body, George Genghis, Greek brother. He told us, he said, when you were back home, you were the cream of the crop. Now you're with all the cream now. Don't expect nothing special. And 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 that's very true. Uh, I remember having conversations with uh, uh, brothers when I got to Buffalo, and you would be talking about what did you do when you came to Buffalo? And, and you heard brothers be like, I was a watchtower conductor. And you're like, were well, you a ministerial servant? Yeah, it was a small congregation. We had enough elders. We had two elders. I was one of the. I was a watchtower conductor. So you saw people who were doing all kinds of things in the organization, and so it you had to have a certain mindset. That's why they gave you this little booklet. It was called. Dwelling in unity, because living in the institutional way of living, in this institutional life, it is very, very difficult. I felt sorry for the sisters, uh, the females. Uh, Bethel, I, I remember a governing body member, his name was uh, Dan Sillick. He, he used to tell us all the time, Bethel's not for women. Bethel's not for women. And that's very true. Uh, Bethel is very, very difficult. It's very, very, it's unrelenting. I mean, it's, it's just constant, constant, constant. Your schedule and what you're going to be doing is, is, is just always feel, always feel. I mean, I know Bethelites who literally just burned out. They just, they just, I can't do this no more. I'm going back home. And they were just, you know, putting in the notice and, and go back home. Um, and so that's why I was saying before is important when I was at Bethel to, to be around the right people. It's like, in, it's just like in your congregations. You've seen you can be in one congregation and the friends do little things, they have little outings, they have little social events, and then you can move to another congregation and the friends don't do nothing. And so as a witness, your life is just stuffy. Um, And that's the way it can be at Bethel as well, who you are around. And so you really begin to see that it's really not so much the religion many times as it's really who the people are that you're around. If you're around people who gossip, people who are backstab, it doesn't really much matter. And as you know, as in all congregations I've ever been a part of, you always have people who just they're just good people. They just want to help you. They're they're not selfish. And you run into people at Bethel just like that. And it's really sad. I tell people all the time, it's really sad that Jehovah's Witnesses have gathered together basically a group of good people and just gave them wrong instructions, bad information. And that's what makes it so sad. And as a result, it impacts the decisions that people make, how they will treat each other. Um, and, that's, and that's the unfortunate thing. That is probably the most unfortunate thing about this organization. They will take good people, give them bad information, and then these people start making bad decisions. Just that simple. This has been JT. Thanks for being in my audience. Look forward to seeing you in our next video where I share a few more experiences of my Bethel life. Yes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, we invite you to subscribe to our channel. And be sure to hit that bell so that you can receive notifications when we upload new content. Give us a thumbs up if you like this video. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.